Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Rich State of Mind. In this episode, I'm interviewing Rafiq Mumford. Uh, millions of veterans, uh, they have to make that transition in between going, getting out of the Navy into trying to be something successful in life. And Rafiq has done that uh, through his real estate agent journey. He talks about house hacking as well, and just the transition and principles and values that you can take from the military into your personal life in order to succeed. Uh, so please listen to this episode. It was great. Good story. Uh, please enjoy. Please visit our site at www.richstateofmind.com where we provide content on real estate, personal finances, and self-development. Share your story and information by posting a blog on our site so that the Rich State of Mind community continues to grow in knowledge. You can also follow our Instagram page at rich underscore state brand to find out about exclusive offers and discount promotions for our apparel. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other outlets. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And thank you for listening. Hi, Rafiq. Thank you this uh, evening for taking the time. If you could please tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, what's going on, Anthony? So I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. Um, I'm Rafiq again, as he said. I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, I grew up in, in a, a very poverty neighborhood. Um, so I ended up leaving the house around 17 years old, joined the military. And then uh, now I'm here. I do real estate now. Okay. And so uh, as we spoke a little bit earlier, uh, I served with you on board Truman. And then also I've seen you uh, as you've developed throughout your, in your real estate agent uh, career. Uh, and one thing that has been uh, the same between both of those things that I witnessed is that you have a great work ethic. Uh, tell us a little bit about where you got that work ethic from, because it, it had to have came from somewhere, you know, as you were growing up. It was, it's just instilled in, in my family, you know, uh, if you want something, you have to go out and get it yourself. Um, coming from uh, a single mother, being raised by a single mother, I've seen her work her butt off every day, you know, to make sure we're fed. I have other siblings and, and things like that to make sure they're fed. So it just, it was natural for me to be able to, um, if I know if I want something, I have to go get it and I have that. All right. And so you joined the Navy early, 17 years old, uh, had to get your mom to sign it off. Tell me some uh, lessons that you learned uh, from the Navy and then you transition those into uh, the, your current civilian life. Uh, my biggest one I would say is professionalism. Uh, professionalism, I learned that a lot and a lot of it came from you um being tactful um learning how to control my emotions in certain situations and i think that carries over as well as um into real estate as well um dealing with different personalities and things like that um but that my biggest my biggest um lesson i learned i want to say in the military is professionalism and i do appreciate how you carry yourself man i love your suits by the way uh with appreciate uh, <laughs> uh, what you're doing right now uh, i think it, it, it goes a long way uh two two reasons right uh, for one, professionalism goes a long, long way because anybody that wants to do business, right? I'm gonna look at that. I'm gonna look at you first impression. Be like, all right, this guy looks right. like he's about business. And then two, on a little personal side, you're a black male, right? And so instantly, I, I take pride in that. So I do appreciate you doing that um, and how and how you're going about it. And you're you're in the local uh, area as well. So let's talk about uh, now that we're talking about your transition you to civilian life. Uh, let's talk about how did you become a real estate agent? How did you come up with that idea? Which you, that's what you wanted to do. Uh, how did I become a real estate agent? Uh, I would say this is a little bit of a long story, but um, fine. we went into a little bit of my military past. Uh, I did four years active duty Navy, as you know. Um, when I was discharged, it was kind of one of those last minute things. It was like, what am I going to do with my life? Um, I need to find the next thing because I now have a newborn child and I have to still provide for my family. It's not one of those things where I can just you know, just go back home. I have responsibilities now. So 
um, after I served in the Navy, after I uh, was discharged, um, I just bought a house. So um, my realtor, uh, I didn't have, uh, I wouldn't say I didn't have a bad experience, but I felt like I could enhance my experience when it comes to other consumers, other buyers. So I did some research. Um, I saw what it what was required to be a real estate agent, took my classes. It took about seven and a half weeks, I want to say, um, to, to, for my courses for real estate. And then uh, that's, that's how I got into it. That's how it started. It started as me wanting to um, provide income for myself and my family. And now it's turned into um, something a lot bigger than that. Uh, and I, kudos to you uh, having the maturity to not go back home and uh, take responsibility uh, for what um, you've done as far as you, you, you have a daughter now. Uh, I'm very proud of you, by the way, too. And you just like, all right, cool. I got this situation. What am I going to do? And it's, it's definitely possible. Never been worried about you being able to make sure you can take care of things when you got out. Uh, and I, you just reminded me you did buy that house. Uh, yeah, right. Did, did you end up house hacking? I did. It, it, literally, as soon as I, um, as soon as I was getting out, as a matter of fact, before I was getting out, I had put the house on the market on Facebook marketplace. I had tons of people hit me up and uh trying to book it out so yeah i was we were we were good honestly that's what's up we definitely that's did rent out up. all of those rooms i have four bedrooms i rented out three of three out of four of them all right that's, still that's currently have uh, tenants in there as well actually yeah and i mean as long as your situation uh it deems it i would continue man definitely i'm if anything if not pays your full mortgage a good portion mm -hmm. of it so yeah, for sure so that definitely allows you a lot more flex with whatever income you get from being a real estate agent. Yeah, because you know, real estate is it is a contractor job. You you put in, you get it, you get what you put in. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. bad month. Uh, or like in the recruiting world, they call it rolling a donut when you got no sales or no you recruited nobody. At least mm. your mortgage is covered. Right. So that's something. That's something. Uh, that's a different approach. Uh, that. You're the first real estate agent that we've talked to that had that approach or that flexibility that I think a lot of other young real estate agents might want to look into. Because I was I've been told throughout the years that a lot of real estate agents don't actually get into real estate investing. But if I have a house, I'm single or I can afford maybe my wife doesn't mind having you know the other rooms being rented mm -hmm. out. That does give us a lot of flex and maybe a lot more pressure off of me to be able to, you know, to produce uh, just in well, case. Well, I mean, yeah, on top of that, it, it was a little bit more into real estate investing. You know, I, I, I'm losing a, a, a secure income as well. So that, that had a lot of uh, <laughs> had a lot of motivation for that as but well. You, but you got create you got creative. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, can you explain uh, how does the real estate uh, course go? Real estate agent course go? You said it's about seven and a half weeks. Is there like a midterm, a, a final? How's that work? So uh, it's not a set amount of weeks. It's more so um, course hours. Um, you can do your, your own research and everybody who's watching, they can do their own research, but there's a certain amount of hours that you have to attain to um, get your real estate license. Every school is different. Um, the school I went through, they had day classes and they had night classes. Um, one thing I didn't mention is when I got out of the Navy, um, of course, I was doing my investing into uh, my house hacking investing, right? But I still had to make money another way. So I was working for a security agency, uh, making money there um, at night as well as working a day job as well for the Commonwealth Attorney's Office in Norfolk. So I have a full uh, full schedule. And um, uh, what I was getting to was my real estate uh, class, they had night classes. So I took night classes as well, two times out of the week and it took about seven and a half weeks. And I wanna say the classes were about four hours a piece. So every school is different. You just have to find one that fits your schedule best. Um, but there's a certain amount of course hours that you have to get. and Again, when it, same thing when it comes to midterms and finals and things like that. I want to say the final is required in the specific class, but as far as the midterm goes and things like that and quiz and stuff like that, every school is different. But one thing I do know for sure is that the final is required in that specific class, as well as, of course, the state exam and the national exam. So you took both? You had to take the state and the national? Yeah, and Virginia is required for you to take both. Unless, of course, you're um, licensed in another state and you're filing for reciprocity or something like that. Okay, so all right. I was um, like, if I'm licensed in another, like, if, yeah, if I'm licensed in North Carolina and um, I want to get, I'm sorry, I got an incoming call. If I'm licensed in North Carolina and I want to get licensed in Virginia, the, the laws may be similar. So I don't have to take a full um, state and national exam. I may be able to take one or the other or a minimized version of the two. 
Okay. And you weren't able to, you had to take the state exam one day and then the national exam another. You can take them both in the same day. Um, me, I had to take them, I had to take them separately. Though. I had to take them separately. Do you, is it, uh, does the school that you went through, uh, the whoever was sponsoring uh, your course, did they pay for the state exam and national exam or you had to pay out of pocket? The school that I went through? Yes. They, they did not. I paid for it out of pocket. And then, and then uh, based off of who I chose my brokerage, which was Kanzel Realty, they paid, they reimbursed me for my, uh, my uh, state and national exam. It's just one of the benefits of whoever you choose to uh, be a broker. So they ended up reimbursing me all of that money for my school plus my tests. First time? Yeah, yeah, first time, first time. <laughs> first yeah, time. I had to. That's what's up. That's what's up. <laughs> That's what's up. I mean, you right, know, so. you know, like when it comes, when it comes, you know, when it comes to stuff like that, you know, we, we hit the books. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man, because uh, time is money. And I know that when you try to set up um, being scheduled for another exam, it's not like, oh, next week or tomorrow especially during the COVID, it was during COVID when I took my test as well. So these state exams were backed up for months. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta take this. I gotta pass the time. Yeah. So yeah, definitely you came through in crunch time. All right. So with, we talked a little bit before the interview about the brokerage and the one that you decided to pick. Can you uh, tell us the brokerage that you are currently working with? And then can you tell us why uh, you picked that brokerage? I am currently with Canzel uh, Realty, formerly known as Chantel Ray Real Estate. Um, I chose Canzel just because of, um, not just because of, they, they have a very big platform. Um, they're very modern when it comes to their technology, when it comes to their virtual trainings, um, and when it comes to just their, their entire structure as far as the business goes. Um, that's what attracted to me most. Um, as well as it has a mentorship program, which I, which which very which very much attracted me as well. So, I didn't want to jump into something and I didn't know what I was doing. And that's sometimes what a lot of real estate brokerages have is that they just want you to sign on and they expect you to just go out and make your money and do your thing. Um, but thankfully, when I was in class, my real estate um, teacher he told us like, hey, like there's a lot more to it than just showing somebody a house or or asking somebody to sell the house, there's a lot more to it. There's forms, there's contracts, there's paperwork, there's things that you have to do correctly, or you're going to be fee or um, charged for it. You're going to be, you know. And so, so I had uh, a mentor. So okay, so with that mentor, you said uh, first four sales they help you with. Are you taking the lead, or are they taking the lead with those? I'm uh, taking. I'm of course taking it because this mentor is also a realtor himself. So. I have to take the lead. I have to find my own business and things like that. But once I find my business, once I find somebody, hey, they're ready to move forward. Every step of the way, they're there. Hey, um, I pick up the phone. Hey, they want to put an offer in. Hey, they, what do I do next? What do I do next? How do I fill this form out? They're basically they're holding your hand the entire time. And yes, um, that's how they used to do it. I'm not sure of the mentorship process now, of course, because I've been out of the mentor process for a while now. When I started, though, it was the first four transactions. Um, they take a small percentage of it because, of course, they're dealing with their own transactions um, as being a realtor as well as mine. And they're basically taking on responsibility for me as well. So they take their fee. Um, but it was definitely worth it. But, yeah, the first four transactions. And um, after that, you know, you're on your own, depending on who the mentor is. Some mentors will say, hey, well, go ahead, do your thing. They want to they want to get rid of you once they got their money and once they helped you out. Um, yeah. Others, per se, will um, stay with you, you know, just depending on the bond you have. What was the easiest thing uh, with you getting started being a real estate agent uh, as far as learning the ropes? And what was the hardest thing? Uh, that's a good question. The easiest thing I, I felt, um, I'm, I'm not sure the easiest thing. Uh, like, did you grasp I, marketing or maybe talking to people faster? I would say those are, yeah, perfect. Those are, I, I would say both of those. So Again, I was in crunch time when I got started again. So that's that was my motivation for everything. I had, in my mind, I had no other choice but to succeed. I have a family, I have bills to pay, I have no other choice. So when it comes to when it comes to marketing, um, I went all in on marketing. Marketing, it's not, it's 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 what your content is necessarily as how much content you put out. Because it, if you have good content, you don't need to put out a lot of content. Um, just unless you want to. But marketing and being a people person. Uh, I would yeah, I would say marketing would be my <laughs> would be my my uh, easiest one, <laughs> but you know I'm getting around to the people person as far as um, learning different personalities and how to um, what's the uh, what what is the what is the personality? There's like a personality. You can what is what is yeah I have to basically 
perfect learning those different types of personalities and how to you know how to deal with them. Yeah, because um, that's part of the uh, just socializing in general and in sales, right? right? You feed, you're going to feed off of people's energy. Um, I, I interviewed one real estate agent where he talked about he goes off the wife. Like, you know, when he's showing a home, if the wife is like, you know, I can see myself cooking a lot of meals in this in this kitchen. He looks mm-hmm. at the husband and the husband is like, all right. And then he, he kind of, you know, caters to the wife a little bit in order to kind of seal the deal. It, it usually works, you know. And that's that's normally that I've heard that a lot too. That's normally what it is when you're with the husband and wife. The wife is the boss, of course, normally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. And I can I I I like you know homes, and I'm really big on that. But even for me, when we bought our home, I just want my my office and the garage. She could have everything else. She wants. She likes the kitchen. All right, cool. So, uh, it, you know, we don't we don't really need uh, a Me lot too of that, much. So. You know, we're we're simple, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I got um, my space, and then you know you got your space, and we're good. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so you, how long have you been a real estate agent for now? Has it been over a year now? It has not been over a year. I'm literally still under a year. I got licensed in July of last year, so it's been almost a year. However, a lot of people are surprised by that. You know. Yes. Yes. It, um. I would I would assume so because uh, of, like I said how you how you've been carrying yourself and how you've been conducting your business uh, I would think that you've been selling every home on in Hampton Roads uh, by yourself uh, so that's good that you project yourself out like that uh, it makes people feel like uh, all right I could trust this guy it looks like he knows what he's doing he's very confident and it'd be smooth um, and I'm not dealing with somebody that's just gonna toss me to the wind do you uh, how many phones you got I have two phones I have okay. Two phones. And so uh, I asked that question because one thing I've noticed in real estate, whether you're an agent, a broker, uh, a contractor, is if you are doing better than 90% of the real estate world in whatever field you're in, if you pick mm-hmm. up the phone or if you follow up. Uh, mm-hmm. So with you um, building your clientele in your marketing, uh, have you seen a difference in when people feel like they're being taken care of versus what are the more common transactions you've seen where people are just transactional with you or they feel or the people that want to build a relationship with you and communicate with you and feel safe? I think it I think it just depends. Like, like we were talking about, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's personalities are different. It just depends um, on how interested they are, how motivated they are to buy their house as well. If they're one of those who um, are patient and they, they really just want to know um, who you are as a person and, and they're not really in a rush to buy the house. They're more they're, those are ones that are more personable and things like that. Um, me, I try to get personable with all my clients, you know, because <clears throat> um, it started as me trying to make a buck when it came to real estate. But now I I love teaching when it comes to real estate. I love being able to teach um, clientele, my, my clients, who why it's important to own, you know, why it's important to own and as, as opposed to renting. Um, and that, that's for more, more so my dem- demographic, you know, others, you know, older than me, of course, already have that knowledge and things like that. But if they don't, some of them don't. Not everybody does. I love I love the teaching aspect of it. It makes me feel good. So that's what it turned into. And I'm glad you brought that up, man. So uh, what are some of the things, key uh, points that you bring up when it comes to owning or renting? Just the, the dollar sign, the dollar, the money. How much are you spending every year when you're renting? And where's that money going as opposed to when you're owning, when you own a house? That's that's my biggest, my biggest key point. Um, I like to touch on how when you own a house, there's a possibility that when you purchase a house, you can go into purchasing a house with already money in equity the, the same day you sign. If you have that great real estate agent, such as myself, you know, that can get you that best deal. Um, in, this, in this area, in Hampton Roads, I would say the average um, rental rental amount per month is, is around 1000 to $1,200 a month. That's like 10000 a year that's going nowhere when you can use that money to pay a mortgage and you'll be using essentially as your, it's going to turn into your equity over time. And you can use that money to pull out your equity, renovate your house, increasing the value more and things like that. You know, that's, that's my biggest key point is, is the money. Where's the, where's that money going over time? Why do you think and there's other parts so, you can touch on? My bad. My bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No. And I was, I was just going to say that um, there's other, there's a lot of other reasons as well, but that's my biggest key point. Another reason is credit and things like that. Um, just investing. There's a lot of different points, but that, that's my main one is where's that money going? Where, who are you paying? Where's that money going to as opposed to if you are? Why do you think our demographic is more uh, likely to rent than own? 
Um, I, just just not knowing, you know, and that's why I like teaching because a lot of people who I've talked to, um, when once they knew I got into real estate, they started asking questions and stuff like, um, well, I'm not ready to buy a house. It's too hard. Well, I, that's when I get into explaining to them like this is this process is easy is is easy. That's why you hire a real estate agent. You know, I I break everything down for you. Literally, all you have to do is pick out your house, and um and apply for your loan. And you know, that's essentially like all you have to do. It's not hard. That's that's what I would say. The demographic. It's just not. They think it's a hard process, right? Or they think they need um, hundreds of thousand dollars in their bank account to get a house, and that's not that's not what it is. I would say good credit. You got a savings account, um, steady income, should be good to go. Those are some of the some of the requirements. A, a majority of them. Yeah. So a lot of people, um, and even I've done in the past. I use my I use my TSP balance as my uh, my liquid cash on hand. Right to show that I could cover the mortgage, you know, for the, I think right. it's usually like six months. And so you don't have to necessarily, Oh, like what's in my checking account today mm-hmm. and be able to qualify. Um, and outside of, I know a lot of people in this area, you probably get hit up with the VA loan a lot, mm-hmm. uh, but I know people, you can still use the FHA loan. That's 3.5% down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can still use a, a conventional loan, mm-hmm. uh, which you could do the 5% down conventional loan, but it has to be a primary or you can do the 20%. And then that mm-hmm. way you don't have to worry about PMI, which is, uh, what is it? Mortgage insurance, primary mortgage insurance. Property. Right, right, right. Because yeah. you got to get that with the conventional, that's required for conventional. Yeah. Which is for the rest of the, the life of the whole uh, the whole mm-hmm. loan, that mortgage mm-hmm. insurance. So uh, def- different avenues. And so, yeah, you're right. It does just take a little bit of education because uh, it can be scary to own a home uh, because this, you're not just paying your mortgage, right? You got to cut the grass. If the, if the roof comes off, you got to worry about that. If the mm-hmm. sink breaks, you got to worry about that. And then obviously that's just where budgeting comes from, goes, mm-hmm. you know, goes into. Uh, so, and that's where, comes- um, and that's where I'm sorry to cut you off. That's where, you know, your real estate agent comes in handy as far as that initial appointment. Cause I explained this to all of my clients. Um, I'm not one of those agents where, you know, rushing for the next deal i like my clients always to be informed so when they sign on that dotted line and then something does come up they're not like oh my gosh they are already aware and then if something does come up they can always pick up the phone and call me and, and ask which what i need to do and who i need to call for this okay and so it's it's a, actually I, I guess it worked out man that you started uh, being a real estate agent around this time because the market is booming uh, oh yeah and so uh tell me what you think about this so a lot of people outbid, right? You know, the home mm-hmm. is listed for 190, but somebody comes at 195, 200, 210, right? Which kind of mm-hmm. enforces inflation. So uh, you get a bigger commission, but then now the other homes are now go up in price. Mm-hmm. Uh, l- Long term, as a real estate agent, do you think that it's your, we'll say, we'll say duty. Do you think it is your duty to try to at your best ability keep homes to where they're still affordable or it's like hey if they're bidding they're bidding I keep, and i keep it like that it's not really a trick question i just want to know what your thought process is on that like what do you think the responsibility or the role of the real estate agent is when it comes to inflation or if this is i don't think we i don't think we have any i don't think we have any role or say in that when it comes to that you know if it's just based off of because we, we have that in anything even in stock so it's like whenever it, how motivated is the buyer to buy the house? That's what's going to drive it up. That's going to drive the prices up regardless. It doesn't matter how high, how low. When you have demand, prices are going to increase regardless. So that's how I look at it. Uh, um, I asked that question. I would say, go ahead. Right, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I asked that question because um, it was a real estate agent that bought, uh, they, I don't, I'm not going to say they're self-righteous or anything, but they were saying like, it's our responsibility as real estate agents to, we make sure we cultivate uh, inflate inflation and not let the homes get so high and i'm thinking well that's just capitalism uh i think that's just capitalism you know supply and demand uh i get what they're saying right eventually homes yeah. will get, get kind of get too high where people there will be people that cannot afford that home they maybe they were six months ago a year ago now because there are homes that last year man they would have been worth 300 now they mm-hmm. worth three 380 you know mm-hmm. and so that maybe that's one of these other people out yeah, that's when these other programs and things like that come into play to get make these people qualify for these other increased uh, prices for these houses. Um, I do say what we have a responsibility for is, is um, and I'm not going to take the credit for this. Uh, a mentor told me when I was talking to him that um, 
and I completely agree is that when it's in this type of market, um, like, cause like you said, people are bidding or having bidding wars. They're offering 10, $20,000 above appraised value above the purchase price. When it comes to that, it's, it, it's crazy. But yeah. if your real estate agent isn't willing to cut their commission, so you don't have to come out of pocket, all of that. I feel like you don't have to write real estate agent. I feel like that's our first responsibility is so that you, you don't have to pay up all of this money over, over appraisal, you know, first, you know, if that's the last option. Okay. But I feel like it's our responsibility to find our clients the best deal so they don't have to, you know, feel like um, they're being screwed at the end of the day. Okay. I, I can appreciate that. Um, so, you know, somebody bids 1520 over, obviously that, that increases the closing costs. So you're saying mm -hmm. that you say, how much percentage do you take? Three? Is it 3% you take? Uh, give or take, yeah. It's not yeah, a so set amount. We're not allowed to like specify as far as what percentages because it's like it's more like it's I think they told me it's like a monopoly thing because every brokerage can start different things. You know what I'm saying? OK. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. OK. So let's just say if you usually did three. All right. Mm -hmm. Look, man, uh, since they're bidding 20 grand over, I'm only going to charge like two percent. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that you're right. I, that is a good point. And I think that a uh, good plug, by the way, because I think that will definitely that's consider and i think later on you will create business for sure so instead of taking a maybe an extra five grand you could mm -hmm. potentially make another 15 grand later down the road because they'll call you again at the mm -hmm. reference so i do think that is smart uh and yeah i didn't even think just, about that yeah. but that, yeah that is something nice yeah it, it's you just have to have your client's best interest at heart this is going to be the largest transaction of their lives so you gotta have their best interest and i think that's that's going to keep you um you want you, you can have that sustainability that longevity in the game if you genuinely care about your client uh so with inventory still being uh low uh and it's, it's still a seller's market how does a real estate agent prepare for maybe when the market, let's say when the market cap evens out, how does a real estate agent prepare for stuff like that? Or do you kind of ride the wave? Like how does that, how does that the up and downs work for a real estate agent? Because my, my business has been a, a consistent, um, but with everybody I've talked to, um, they say, hey, safe, safe, you know, because of course we're hundred percent commission based. So with the market market fluctuating and you don't have those deals within a month or two months, you just got to, you just have to save. So as a real estate agent, you just have to budget finance um, and just save and make sure you're prepared for anything that could, that could happen within the market. Cause you, you can't, the real estate market, um, you can correct me, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say it's more stable than of course, any other market, at least it's more stable than stocks. It's not going to drastically change in a day or so. It's one of those things where it has to take, it takes time. So yeah. The volatility is definitely not. Yeah, uh, right. This this volatility we're seeing now is the most we've seen in over ten years. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the stock market you'll drive yourself crazy looking at that every day. Yeah. Uh, but yes, real estate. Uh, I I think there's a lot of stability in it, and uh, the months of April through September is when the majority of the people in the country move. Yeah. Uh, especially the summertime. I believe July is the hottest month of, of the year when people actually move. So. Uh, I can see how like maybe December maybe like a slow month or something like that. Uh, November, December, January. Because for me as an investor, I hate those months um, because I, I'm I will extend somebody out. I will if, if their lease starts in April. Uh, let's say it starts in September. I let's just say I happen to get somebody in September. I will not mm -hmm. have them have a twelve month lease of September of two thousand and twenty two. I will do my best to do an 18 month lease to extend them out mm -hmm. to April because, and I'll even, yeah. I don't even mind lowering the rent by 50 bucks or taking a hundred dollars off on the front and the back. Because if I extend it out to April, let's just say me and that tenant don't work out. April is income tax timeframe. Mm -hmm. I can more than like, and it's when the, it's the peak of when people start to move, I can more than likely get right. a tenant in there. It's smart. Uh, yeah. That's very smart. Yeah. Cause you, you let them go as in September um you're not likely to find it's, it's, it'll be less it'll be harder to find a, a rental yeah so yeah those months i stay i stay away from those months uh now they're good because i don't have to worry about landscaping mm -hmm. but uh as far as rents you know people it, it's definitely harder even trying to get some, even when you, if you get somebody like on a program like the four we have a four kids program which is like uh hampton roads version of section eight 
mm. um, or you have Section 8, and even that's a little tough as well. There's not as many people that's moving. Uh, so when it comes to your brokerage, uh, what are the fees that they charge? And uh, how is that? You, you explained a little bit earlier. How is that unique in, in comparison to others? Um, my brokerage, Kenzo Realty, they charge a transaction fee. Um, it's a couple, a couple hundred bucks for every transaction and a brokerage fee. Um, these two fees are just are flat rates that come with every single transaction. So, of course, the brokers, they have to make money some way. They have to make money to put into our programs and our trainings and things like that. That's essentially what the transaction and the brokerage fee go towards. Um, they don't charge any desk fees or anything like that. Um, but that's that's about it. They, they charge in. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Brokerage free and transaction fee, each about a couple hundred bucks per transaction. Do you think um, when it comes to the marketing, like going to the days of like sending postcards, is it now just social media and maybe just business cards? Business cards I've learned have have took a downturn. Um, but me, I do everything. I do everything. I do postcards. I do mailers. I do business cards. I do social media. I do everything, you know, um, as an agent coming up in the ranks. I, I have to. I have to, you know what I'm saying, maintain that. So I do a little bit of everything. But, yeah, I would say mailers and postcards and things like that have become less popular even door knocking i, I heard you know people used to door knock a lot a lot um in, a, in the previous years they don't do that a lot anymore but some do um but i would say it's it definitely shifted towards social media facebook instagram things like that but they're still out there you know there's still agents that still go the extra mile and send postcards and hand out business cards and things like that what do you think you bring to the hampton roads uh, real estate market that uh, helps you stand out? Care. I think I, I think I just bring care to, you know, I'm not in it for any selfish reasons. I genuinely care about finding my clients the best deal. I genuinely care about um, their longevity and, and ownership. Um, and, you know, just my customer service, my 24-7 customer service. You know, when I was in the, in, the, in the military, I got to learn a lot about how to, oh, yeah. um, you know, customer service. And, yeah. and it's as especially also um, attention to detail. That was one of the main, um, another, another big, a big factor that I've learned. So all of those combined, I think that's what I would say separates me from every other agent, but I genuinely care about my clients. I genuinely want to see them thrive um, when they purchase with me. Uh, when it comes to your clients, uh, what experience did you learn the most from? Ooh, um, I learn from every transaction. There's not one transaction where I don't learn something from. Um, we'll say most there memorable. are, and this is why I say, go ahead. Most memorable then. Most memorable, yeah. Most memorable, most the most lessons I've learned is, is, this is why I go back to when I say attention to detail, right? Um, in Hampton Roads, we are in an area that many of you that, you know, most watchers know that you know, it's, there's a lot of flood zones in this area, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I'll tone in on one transaction I did, and it was, it, we brought it to closing, but it was, it was, it was a little depressing. So, I was taught when you push a listing on the MLS, the MLS is the multiple listing service. It's the platform where real estate agents use to list their houses, right? It's, it's strictly for real estate agents we use. We can send it over to our clients, but they have a certain viewpoint of it. But we're able to see certain remarks that other agents use once they list our house, right? Out of all the houses I've sold that I've represented buyers for, almost all of them that were in a flood zone, it was right there in the remarks that says, hey, this, this property is in a flood zone. Now, you being familiar with this area, you, you, know, you know what I'm saying, uh, being familiar with this area and you knowing a little bit more uh, per se, you may know, hey, well, is this, a, this, that's a question that you normally ask, but this particular property didn't have that remark. So it was one of those things where I looked over it and it wasn't a flood zone. Flood zones, you have to pay, it's required for you to pay a flood premium for most properties. Sometimes you got to get an elevation certificate, which is another um, a couple thousand bucks. That's, um, that's one thing I, I learned a lot. That's one thing, you know, when you when you make a mistake on something, it's something that you'll never do again because it's, yeah. it's such a big thing. Um, but it all worked out. It all worked out. Um, my client was understanding. Um, we were able to, um, give him some credit and it was in an, thankfully it was in an area where it wasn't a high premium. He paid, was paying like 400 bucks a year for that, which was, which oh, was good. great. Oh God. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah it's great. And they didn't need an ele elevation certificate or anything like that. So the previous, the seller 
um, transferred their premium, their their um, their policy to them. So that that worked out a lot. So we were just able to 400 per year is what 25, 50 bucks a month, something like that. Right. Maybe not even. Maybe I'm not. Yeah. We'll do the, yeah, something like that. You're the math. You're the math. A lot cheaper. <laughs> uh, was it was it in Norfolk? It was in Hampton. It was right off of um. Was it off the bridge? Right by the yep, right by the bridge, right by the bridge. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So that's definitely something. Uh. So like investors, man, we run away from flood zones, uh, mm -hmm. because it can it eats away at your cash flow. Because usually, um, I've run across the ones that's like 150 dollars a month, flood mm -hmm. uh flood zone uh flooding insurance, and I'm just like sheesh. But some of those areas are nice. Like I've seen some homes where they're 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 lifted up, uh, but uh. It's a, it's a lot of maintenance down the road, but it right. sounds like you was able to, um, hey, that, that part where you're talking about though, I like that area though. Uh, so that's actually a pretty good, pretty good deal. Right off of, um, and, I want to uh, say Orca Avenue. Something right. like that. Uh, that's something down, down the road that I'm definitely, I know that you will, uh, you know, take heed to when it comes to the customers. They didn't seem, they didn't seem to care if, if they had it, like the, the area, they just liked the, where they live so much. It didn't matter about the flood insurance. Yeah. It didn't matter about the flood. It was just, uh, cause it wasn't, it wasn't deep into a flood zone. So they weren't they weren't really concerned about it, and they it, it didn't make a, a big uh, it didn't take a big chunk of change from their um, mortgage, so they don't have to pay a little, they don't have to pay much extra. So they were okay with it, and they love the house. So can't hear you. They love the house, so it didn't bother them much, especially because their premium their monthly payment wasn't going to increase by much. They were able to get it worked get it all worked out. The seller transferred their policy over. They were only going to pay a couple bucks extra per month. Um, they didn't have to pay any um upfront costs the seller took care the, the seller took care of any upfront costs to renew the policy and things like that so it all it all worked out um so one thing that i, I left out in the uh, buying process because you said you, you educate um you know your clients and people that ask about what you do um when it comes to the loan officer uh, i've always wanted to notice so when you was going through your mentorship program does does your uh brokerage kind of link you up with somebody uh or do you have yes. to kind of okay they do Yep, he was great. Yeah, he gave me he gave me shout out to Edwin Rodriguez over at Iron Valley Real Estate. He's not with us anymore, but he's with Iron Valley. So shout out to him. He's uh he's been he's he's still helping me to this day as well. Um, whenever I have any questions, but yeah, he linked me with um everybody that uh, he's worked with, and to this day I'm still using those same contacts. Literally, you know, um, and those contacts go a long way because they're part of your team as a real estate transaction, right? So when you're representing a buyer or whenever, even when you're representing a seller, um, if something happens with a loan officer or something happens with a closing company, a majority, you're, mo you're mainly the mouthpiece when you're talking to the client, you're mainly, you know what I'm saying? So if something happens, you know, they're going to come to you and say, Hey, Rafiq, what happened? What's going on? So it's, um, I'm very grateful that I had him to be able to put me in touch with these people. Everything's been smooth, literally been smooth since, uh, since day one. So. Awesome. And so uh, do you feel like, has your has your any of your clients ever talked to the loan officer and then they they come back to you and just like hey Rafiq I talked to the loan officer this is what they said they could offer me you know what are your thoughts uh is it is it kind of that type of relationship or you always okay always yeah I, I from the bat I always establish that trust I establish that relationship with my clients so that they can know they can come to me about any questions um they have um I normally don't ask my clients numbers or interest rates or things like that because that's their personal business. Um, when it comes to that, um, but if they come to if they come to me and ask me, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think, what do I think about that? I would say I would give them my, my advice. Yeah, definitely. It's always it's always like that. Okay. Do you see yourself uh, being a real estate agent for years to come, or you kind of you want to transition into something else, maybe a broker? I love selling houses. I, I love this. So it, it's something different. It's something I've never um, done before. So I, yeah, I think I'll be doing this for a long time. I think I'll be doing this for a long time. I think. Uh, of course, I eventually want to elevate and become a broker, eventually have agents that I train and agents that I mentor and things like that under me. Um, sorry, my own brokers, but definitely, yes. I definitely see myself being in the real estate um, game as a whole for a long time, whether it's if I turn to investing, if I turn to being a broker, things like that. I think I would, yeah, for sure. And also too, because uh, we've communicated uh, in the past about this a couple of times, you also do provide services for people just looking to rent. Yes, for sure. In that MLS that I, that I mentioned, the multiple listed service, there's also rentals in there as well. You know, um, So I do help a lot of renters because, of course, renters turn into buyers sometimes. So, 
and you do get a finder's fee from that. Some, some, sometimes, yes. Sometimes, no. It just depends. It depends. It depends on the uh, the property management company that you yes. Are working it depends with. on the property management company if they you're if they're using one. Um, it depends on the owner as well. Sometimes some people don't want to pay that. Um, but yeah, it just depends. If I if I accept services from someone who's looking to rent and I find them a place whose property manager isn't offering a finder's fee, I won't turn them away. I'll just say, hey, well, no problem. You know, just give me a call if you have any questions or if you you know want to purchase. Is it usually uh, like 10% of the rent? How does that work? How yeah, that so it's, work? It, but it, it, it varies. So property managers usually charge 10%, five to 10%, I would say. Property managers usually charge five to 10% of the rent, yes. Okay. And then we, so also we talked a little bit about equity. Uh, and so one of the things I like about equity and going back a little bit, you talked about the overbidding, right? So the 10 to 15 to 20 grand, right? So if I do a VA loan and I overbid 10, 15 grand, right? And a good, a good a person that is selling a home, they're probably selling the home for what the market is saying is worth at the time. And then I overbid by 20 grand. I use a VA loan. I didn't put no money down. I could very well end up being upside down if the market goes down in a couple months. You know, definitely, so definitely. Yeah. And we're talking about 2030, 10, 2030 over the appraised value, right? Because the uh, sales price doesn't really matter much. You can increase that. It doesn't really matter. Much. What does it come in at with a VA loan? What does it come in at? That's specifically the VA loans. That's what matters is where where's the value coming at? If you're offering cash 10, 20, 30 over that, then yes, you will for sure be um, upside down, depending on the quality of the home, the home. Um, because the market is is what it is now, where it's so it's, it's steadily increasing, you know, who's to say the houses next door will sell for that same price. So, you know, it just depends. Yeah. It depends. Yeah. You, you, and that's, that's the kind of advice your real estate agent should be giving. Uh, yeah. And that's just something I just want to take people for people to, to take in consideration. Mm -hmm. uh, personally, and I, I don't know the future personally. I feel like this is the highest we will see our homes of this mm -hmm. year. Uh, mm -hmm. It's the summertime. I think we're at the peak of, Recuper, uh, recovering from COVID, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and probably by the later this year uh, and coming into early next year, we'll start to see up in inventory uh, and then the homes won't be worth as much. But so that, that's just me if I was a betting man. And that would be something that I would say, hey, take into consideration. Uh, you may be yourself a 400K now, six months from now, maybe not. But that's based off whatever somebody's going through. Let that be the determination that they make based off their personal their personal life. Uh, yeah, well, I would say I would say when we're when we're putting houses on the market, we're always going about based off of our advice, and I can speak for all real estate agents. Um, however, the owners, of course, are essentially our boss. Um, sorry about that. Kind of recall. So we work for we work for the owners, right? We work for the we work for our clients, right? Um, but our advice, all of us, we always go for what is it going to sell at? What is the value? We do our own comparables and things like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. when it comes to you saying that the houses may decrease in sales prior or decrease in value over time, that's very well possible. If that, if it's one of you, you're, you you're with one of those properties where you're overpricing it, you know what I'm saying? Oh, over, that's when it comes to that. I don't think yeah. it'll, I don't think it'll necessarily decrease in a fast time because it's, it's, it's the market, right? So yeah. everything only around it only, is also yeah. increasing. Only for the overbidders, not for the ones that I like, hey, if it's if it's worth 190, the comps mm -hmm. say 190 and I pay 195. Okay, cool. But mm -hmm. if I'm paying two 230 mm -hmm. and the comps say 190, I'm a little worried. And then if that, but that's my thing. If that price goes into the system as 230, the next person next door is going to say, oh, they sold theirs for 230. Let's list mine for 230. And then that's going <laughs> to continuously increase the market you know what i'm saying that's what i'm saying <laughs> yeah so because they well, can see all of that you, the yeah. next agent can see that that's what yeah, that's how we that's how we true. do our that's how yeah that's how <laughs> we do our comps we go into the system and we see what houses are pending what houses are sold within the last six months if i see this house was just sold yesterday for 230 i'm gonna i'm gonna use that for a comparable sale oh i got that makes me think of a question so uh, I know I'm pretty sure real estate agents, y'all stay in communication with each other throughout businesses, mm -hmm. whether it's questions or what's going on. Uh, do y'all talk to each other mid bid? Like, hey, man, I just got this. Like, I know you're selling a home, uh, you know, half a mile from me. 
and it's a three bedroom, two bath like you, I know our comparable say 190, but I just got a bid for 210. Uh, is that, are y'all talking mid, mid bid on, hey, what this is what's going on to maybe kind of help out and, and uh, give some guidance to your, your seller? Definitely, yeah. So you're talking about a competing agent or you're talking about just another just, agent? No, no, just no, not the one, not the buyer agent, but like another mm -hmm. seller. Let's just say it's a seller agent that works in your brokerage as well. And mm -hmm. he just happens, he or she happens to just be selling a home that's nearby uh, to where mm -hmm. y'all could be each other's comparable. So mm -hmm. if, if they're like, hey, that home is worth 90, your home is worth 190 that y'all selling, but they just got mm -hmm. a bid, let's say for 210, are they hitting you up? Or in mid-conversation, they're like, you know, they're telling you, hey, man, I got a bid for 210. We're about to accept it. You should probably coach your seller to probably do the same for their house. It's, it's oh, yeah, definitely. Same. If That's that's an ideal scenario. <laughs> okay. That's an ideal scenario, yeah. If we're in the same brokerage, if we're close, you know, we're, we're bumping shoulder day to day, yeah, for sure. Um, I would say it's kind of, it depends. It's kind of rare um, for things like that to happen, though. Um, of course, if we see our local uh, uh agent that it's in an area that's under the same brokerage i'll call them up and say hey what are you what's, what's going on with this not every agent is very forthcoming especially you know just because we're under the same brokerage doesn't mean necessarily that uh we're all close and we communicate and things like that every agent is different you know especially because of covid a lot of people aren't in the office and things like that so it all depends um, that would be that scenario you mentioned that would be an ideal scenario that would be that would be perfect if everybody was so nice and would be able to, <laughs> be able to communicate oh, okay. like that yeah okay because um well i guess you know obviously there's competition uh but mm -hmm. yeah i would i guess that would be a ideal situation uh so with everything that we talked about man we, we talked about your childhood you growing up we talked about your career, naval career working for security form a firm uh being a real estate agent and what your future goals are uh, what is your big why? As I like to say, your rich state of mind. Why did why are you doing everything that you're doing? Why are you working so hard? Um, I would say the easy answer is uh, for my family. You know, that's that's the that's the go-to. You know, that's the easy answer. My family, my daughter, um, the generational wealth, which is in fact true. Um, but long answer, I would say my why is um, to help inform our community, you know, our demographic, our, keep informed, you know, the people just like me, you know, to bring owner more ownership to our culture. That's, that's my big why. I love, like I said before, I, I love teaching. I love um, letting people know why it's important to own an asset such as real estate. Um, but I was, I, that's my big why. That's my big why. Generational wealth. I want to bring more owners um, that look like me. And please continue to keep that up. Um, one thing I talked about recently in my last interview was uh, from a real estate investor standpoint, I'm looking for renters, right? And uh, we'll say the Portsmouth area, some parts of Hampton, Newport News, Suffolk, mm -hmm. you know, those are my areas. But at the same time, it's also my demographic that's mostly renting in the area. There's most more mm -hmm. renters than there are owners. Uh, and so... One thing that I discussed with uh, one of the other people I interviewed about was you doing rent to own. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can still, as a real estate investor, still make out on that. That mm -hmm. way you're helping out sure. the community. Uh, and then also, obviously, you're still getting uh, short-term passive income, about five years until you move on to the next deal. But you are still putting people in homes. And so that is something that um, I just wanted to also put out there as an option for people, whether they, you know, real estate agents to put out uh, and, you know, encourage people to do uh, because maybe somebody can't afford it right then and there, but rent to own is definitely an option. Mm -hmm. uh, the rent that they pay, use that as a down payment. And then for the real estate investors that are kind of trying to find, figure out a way to get more people in there. Definitely a personal conviction of my own that to try to be creative mm -hmm. because uh, whether you want to say it's systematic or whether mm -hmm. you want to say it's just some people are just hard headed. Uh, mm -hmm. It is sometimes hard to try to uh, formulate a plan for the biggest scheme of things, right? Because that means you got to get everybody on the same page. For sure. Uh, and look, I, I had a goal that I uh, that I posted on my social media, my goal um, for 2021. So I didn't mention this. So when I was working um, my security firm job in a nine to five, I quit. I quit and I became full time September, uh, January 2021. So the oh, beginning okay. of the year. 
a full-time full-time real estate agent. And my goal at the beginning of the year wasn't to hit some um, some number. It was to make a homeowner every month of a minority of, of my demographic. So I want to. That's that's my goal. I want to. I want to have a minority become a homeowner every month, regardless of race or anything. But any minority, I want to. I, that's my goal. If I help anybody, I want a minority to become a homeowner every single month. And I've been. Uh, and I've been. I'm on track for that. That's what's up. I, I do appreciate that you're doing that, uh, and I'm pretty sure that um, the people, the minorities in Hampton Roads, does appreciate that because uh, I think over the years, right? Because you're not from here, but over the years, you have. Uh, gotten a personal interest in the, in the area and uh, so have I uh, because we see because you're a real estate agent so you see where the pockets are at right mm-hmm. and so you're like damn all right how can I change things up a bit because uh, gentr- gentrification is hard right uh, yeah, you gotta have yeah you, you gotta have millions and I say millions millions to affect it or multiple people on the same page trying to, mm-hmm. to correct it. That's why whenever I see um, uh, the, the properties that we have in Portsmouth, man, whenever I see like a, a house on my block being uh, renovated, I always mm-hmm. ask the contractors like, yo, who's the owner or whatever? And they'll tell me mm-hmm. and I'll be like, that's what's up. And then we, you know, we'll dap each other up. And it, it's, it's a lot of love. Everybody, cause everybody, sure. a lot of people got the mindset like, all right, cool to see a brother out here doing it, trying to bring our community back up. And so, there's a lot of us, there's a lot of us too. There's a lot of us. Yeah, there, there, there are. I, as, as I've been uh, getting ingrained in the Portsmouth area, Norfolk area, talking to, because uh, I, I like to just drive and I see, okay, who's who's doing that? Like, who, who bought that? And mm-hmm. as I get to know the contractors or people, the owners, uh, yeah, there are. Surprisingly, they are. I don't know if we just like to be low key or maybe I need to search harder. But yeah, there is, there is a lot of, and I, I'm, I'm proud of that. And I'm happy that that's the case uh, because we we understand the pulse of our community and what it needs. And so uh, I want that to continue uh, so that we can also encourage and show uh, people of our demographic that, hey, look, this is uh, this is possible. It's not just Doable. this other these other demographics that you think are capable of doing it. Uh, on a little personal note, I spoke, you know, I had a conversation with my son and he was talking about having a boss. And so in school, uh, we were kind of taught that high, the hierarchy of Mm-hmm. having a boss, having a nine to five, having a job and stuff like that. And I explained to him that, uh, and for a lot of other reasons, I'll talk offline to you about it, for a lot of reasons that that meant that actually kind of hurt me because mm-hmm. the way I look at it is that I look at just Hampton Rose, the world is your oyster. You don't need a boss. You can make your own living. It doesn't have to just be real estate, but you can make your own living doing something else and not having to clock in and clock out. And no shade to anybody that clocks in nine, nine to five. I'm a W-2 mm-hmm. guy, me being in the mm-hmm. military. Uh, but uh, I think now that you know better, I know better, right? With, our, with us having the kids that we have to set them for uh, success in a unique way to where we are not, uh, we did things out of desperation, mm-hmm. right? Now we, we have- had to, right? Yeah. Now we have kids that don't necessarily have to do that. Uh, right. So- because we have the knowledge. We have the knowledge now. Exactly. You know? So thank you, Rafiq, man. I really appreciate you taking this time. And uh, you have a good night. I appreciate you having me.